Scripture this morning is from Genesis 17, verses 1 through 8. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down. And God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham. Your, no longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Well, good morning. There was a newspaper article that ran... They had to pull a retraction from the paper because the article uh, read this. The title of uh, First Christian Church Program in our last week's paper was written, Our God Resigns. (laughs) The actual title of the article was meant to be, Our God Reigns. Please forgive us for the misprint. <laughs> but the title is somewhat appropriate to, to how we often live life. That sometimes we get to a place where we think our God has resigned. In the middle of today's craziness in this world of ours with health care up in the air and all kinds of political situations, we might come to think our God has resigned. Abram, when God was silent, may have also landed in that very place. Has my God resigned? And what we're going to find this morning as we look into Genesis 17, and what Abram quickly discovered is that by no means did my God resign, but my God reigns in all. This morning, as we look at Genesis 17, I want us to ask the question, how is it that we keep walking with God? How do we keep on this faith journey of ours? How do we keep moving ahead in our love and in our obedience to our Lord and Savior. How did Abram do it? How did he get to a place of walking before God? We say, Father, I hear your voice. Father, your spirit is ministering in me. Father, I'm reading your word and and I, I see what you're telling me. I read your promises and I know your truth and and I want to live like that and I want to live like Abram where you called him to walk before you and be blameless. I want to walk 
And I know that's your heart's desire as well as mine. But how do we do that? How do we keep running this race? Abram in Hebrews 11 ends up in what we call the hall of fame of faith. Men and women who held on to faith, held on to their Lord. And so they're listed in Hebrews 11. How do I get to that place, Lord? That I learn to trust you like they did. I think we're going to find that Abram started to discover the character of God, and I hope we will discover the same. That we're not living a lifestyle thinking that our God has resigned. Oswald Chambers also addresses this. He says, Beware of worshiping Jesus as the Son of God and professing your faith in Him as Savior of the world while you blaspheme Him by the complete evidence in your daily life that He is powerless to do anything in and through you. Abram came to discover that God has not resigned, that he reigns, and he can do anything in and through me. And it's a beautiful perspective that he finally gets to in Genesis 17 of who his God is. You see, it had been 13 years since Ishmael was born. Probably some 15 years since Abram had heard the voice of the Lord. God was silent. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like God is is not ministering to you? Do you feel like King David crying out in the cave and saying, God, hear my cry? When will you respond to me? God is silent. And Abram experienced this, and you and I do as well. What is God doing in the middle of his silence? Thirteen years, at least, Ishmael is being raised up. You can imagine that, that Abram is wrestling in his soul. Because, you see, Abram chose with his wife, Sarai, to fulfill God's promises by their own means. We will, we will take Hagar, our Egyptian slave, and, and Abram, you go and lie with her, and that offspring we will take as our own, and this will be our way of fulfilling God's promises to us. Basically, they chose to listen to their own intellect and live in their own means, and they walked away from the promises of God. And God is silent, and there's a wrestling in the soul. But I think in this silence, and this is one of the things I think God does with us. Isn't it in the silence that faith is often developed for you and me? Isn't it in that time where we are broken and on our knees and wanting to hear a word from the Lord that faith is developed in you and me? Because remember what faith is, Hebrews reminds us? It is being sure of what we hope for. And it is certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. 
God had been silent, and now he responds. Now is the time that I will fulfill my promises, Abram. I've told you what I'm going to do. You didn't believe it. You went through some other measures. Now I am going to fulfill everything that I've said to you because I keep my promises. And so he steps back into Abram's life. And he comes with a command upon Abram. Abram, I want you to walk before me and I want you to be blameless. Walk before me. You've got to understand something. This is so full of grace. Don't you, again, you and I do this. We, we sin against God, don't we? And then when we sin against God, we run away. And we, 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 we try to hide. We don't want to be in fellowship with other Christians because it reminds us of our sin. And then we get into our cave, and then we start to wrestle with, I don't know what God thinks of me right now. I have done some stuff that is just ugly. And I think that's where God meets us. Because he shows up where Abram had chosen to listen again to his own purposes, listen to his wife, and together they chose to to live in disobedience to God's promises. And when he says, walk before me, that's no little thing. What he's saying is, I am calling you back, Abram, to walk in my presence. Basically, in the Hebrew, I want you to walk in my face. And I want my face to be with you. Isn't that a beautiful gift to us? And isn't that what God does with each of us? Even this very day. Some of you have just kicked God in the gut in your life. And what he's doing to you today is he's showing up and he's saying, would you walk in my presence? Let's keep doing this journey together that we have started. I want you to walk before me and I want you to be blameless. It's, it's, a, it's the, the word that is used of, of that beautiful sheep that is brought as sacrifice, that was brought to the tabernacle and eventually to the temple. I want you to be blameless. I want you to be whole, perfect that's used in the New Testament, mature, growing up, complete. Isn't that what Romans reminds us of? Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Because of God's incredible grace to us, because he he calls us out of that pit of sin, and he wants us to be in his presence and in his life, because of that gift, I want you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, set apart, and pleasing to God. And when we do this, that is, Romans reminds us, our spiritual act of worship. Do you want to worship God? I hope so. He says, one of the ways you worship me is you set apart your life unto me. Hear my call back, because for some of us, we need to be called back. 
And keep walking, it's an ongoing verb, keep walking in my presence, holy, set apart, blameless. That is a beautiful aroma to me, God says. What a place of forgiveness. And I think Abram felt the same thing. Lord, thank you. So what does Abram do when he hears the word of the Lord? And the Lord gives him a command, okay? It's not an option. He says, hear me, here is a command to you. I've had 13 plus years of silence, now I'm speaking to you, and I want you to do something. So does Abram go, okay, Lord, thank you for that good word, and and thank you for that command. And so now, with the rest of my Coal Valley chargers, we will charge. We will take that mountain together. Here we go. Is that how he responds to God's command to walk and be blameless? Let's do it, Lord. He doesn't. You know, the only thing he can do as God pours out his grace and love upon Abram is he falls flat on his face. That's where you and I need to go sometimes, don't we? Flat on our face. Do you know what that place is? That place is a place of utter surrender. It's literally face down in the dirt, hands up, going, Lord, I've reached the end of myself. I've tried to accomplish what I thought you wanted to accomplish within my own means. It's an absolute beautiful place of worship. That's what he does. How do we keep walking with God? We, we first have to fall on our face. And we have to say, the only way I can walk, Lord, is through you. The only way I can keep doing this journey is through your spirit in me. It's a place of trust. It's a place of letting go. And I think in that place, it's an incredible place of awe of who God is. God has not resigned. God reigns. And so here is the place I will go. I will lay on my face and recognize my God who reigns. Why is it again that we worry about all of these things? Again, this healthcare thing that's going crazy and people are shouting out, you lie, and they can't say that to God. God doesn't lie. I will keep my promises with you, Abram. I don't care how many politicians try to say I do, I don't lie. I'm a God of covenant. I'm a God who keeps his promises. I am almighty God. And the way he shows up He says this, I am Lord God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. El Shaddai. Amy Grant didn't make El Shaddai popular. God is popular because of who He is. She brought that beautiful song into being about His character. El Shaddai. That name shows up. That's the God who shows up to Abram after 13 plus years of silence.
I am your all-sufficiency. I am your strength and your stability. Nothing is impossible with me, Abram. That's what he's speaking in this character, El Shaddai. I am in control. This name is used 48 times in the Old Testament. We see it 31 times in Job, where Job suffered much. And so God showed up much as El Shaddai. I am the one who has your life. I am the one you can depend on. I am the one who knows exactly what's going on. I am the one who sees you, and I'm the one who hears your cry. He is El Shaddai. And that's who shows up to Abram after years of silence. And that's what he does for you and me. He reminds you of who he is. And so we fall on our face in awe of our God. And when he shows up, he says, Listen to me, Abram, here is what I will do. I will establish my covenant with you. Here is what I will do. Seven times he uses this. I will, I will, I will. It has nothing to do with you. Out of my incredible grace and love for you, I will establish a covenant with you. Covenant throughout scriptures, I mean, this is profound theology. Books and books and books have been written on covenant. I would encourage you, we have have great sisters in this body, uh, Cynthia Benoit and Kay Whitmarsh. They they have led studies on covenant, and, and they're great studies. Maybe tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, what can you offer me? But I want to give you three things just on covenant, about the the basis of covenant. When God says, I will, a God who cannot lie, a God that we can trust, what does he mean? Here's some three foundations for covenant. One is that it's all God. It isn't as though we're coming into a contract and let's set up our plumbing contract and give me a bid and, and let's see if it works out. And then, you know, you do this part, I'll do this part, and and this will make the contract work. It's not God asking for our opinion. It's I will. It's all God. That's one thing you need to know about covenant. And again, when God says he will do something, he will fulfill that. That's the first thing you need to know. The second is that it's eternal. It's an everlasting covenant. It comes from him and it is maintained by Him, not dependent on us. And the third thing that you'll discover about covenant, which is this binding contract between God and us, this binding contract, is that it's full of grace. We don't deserve this beautiful thing that God's doing. He just says, I'm going to do this for you. What did Abram do to deserve that? Nothing. God's commitment to us is full of grace. If you believe upon my son, you will be, you shall be saved. If you come to acknowledge who my son is, you will have everlasting life. 
That's who God is in the character. And when he says that is true, it is. And you and I have experienced that as we've received Jesus Christ. I will, I will, I will. I will make this covenant with you. And Abram comes to this place again where he realizes that his God has not resigned. His God reigns. And I receive this God in full submission. I receive your truth. And let me just share with you uh, uh, these promises. I'm not going to go into much depth into them because I don't think they're the main part of the passage. Think again, the main part is, how is it that we, we keep journeying in faith, living in faithful obedience? How do we get there? But here's some of the things that God promises. I'm going to greatly increase your numbers. He said that before. He's renewing it here. I think it's a reminder that it's not through Ishmael, but it will be through your relations with Sarai. I will do that. He's saying you're going to be the father of many nations. And he was. He was of the nations of the Arabian nations and the Turks and the lines of Ishmael, the Midianites and so on. The Israelites and the line of Isaac. And in a very spiritual sense, he is the father of many who will come to live in faith and know God like he did. It's a spiritual seed that will go on. He's not just saying you're going to have lots of kids. He's saying there's going to be many who will come to know me like you know me, Abram. That's my promise to you. You set the example, Abram, and people will start to look and say, that God is the God I want to follow. Romans 4 reminds us of that. In verse 16, there was a promise, and the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace. And it's guaranteed to all of Abram's offspring. Again, you're not saved just because you're connected to Abram, or because you're a Jew, or because your parents are Christians. It's a spiritual seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abram. That's the key. It's our relationship with Jesus. He is the father of all of us. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in sight of God in whom he believed. And the God who gives life to the dead and calls the things that are not as though they were. He says, I'm going to promise you that, Abram. Your seed, your spiritual seed is just going to just expand across this world. And we're seeing that today, aren't we? There are more people coming to Christ today, every day, than ever in the history of mankind. God's penetrating hearts. His promise is being fulfilled. I will make you very fruitful. You will have other children. You'll have children by Keturah as well. There will be large nations that come from you. Kings shall come from you. The princes that come from Ishmael are 12. The kings of Israel and Judah shall come from you. And the most important king that will come in your line is the king of kings and lord of lords, Jesus. I promise you that. Our God has not resigned, and he's still fulfilling his promises. There will be this covenant between you and me, Abram, a covenant that will last forever. I will give you this land. 
And I will give you this land of Canaan that will be an everlasting covenant, an everlasting promise. It's interesting with Canaan because Canaan is Israel today. And the thing that's interesting to me about it, and it's just something we observe, trust me, to understand the land and what that exactly means, books and books and books by great theologians trying to discover this. I don't know if we'll ever fully understand but he does speak of Canaan specifically. And one of the things that's happened with the Jews is that they came in and, and, and finally were able to get their land back. They became a nation. And they're still there today. They obviously do not own all of the land of Canaan. This is why we have incredible tension, don't we? There's an incredible battle for the land. The Jews really believe it's theirs from this covenant. And so there's all this tension that goes on. On a spiritual side of that, some say, well, the land is, is a spiritual sense in the sense of God will create a new heaven and he will create a new earth and therefore we, we inherit that everlasting covenant of a new earth, new life in Christ in heaven. Whatever that's going to look like, that beautiful gift of God when he decides to come back. These are the promises that he has made, and he says, and I will be their God, just like he will be our God. Never will I leave you nor forsake you, never. I'm your God. You are my people. We saints in this 21st century, we follow this same God. We are his. As children who have surrendered and accepted his son, Jesus Christ. He is our God. As we've accepted him as Lord and Savior. Now it shifts in verse 9. God has said, I will, I will, I will, I will. And now he says in verse 9, and as for you, now comes some responsibility for us, entering into relationship with the Lord. As for you, Abram, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants, after you for generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant that you are to keep is this. Every male among you should be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision and it will be the sign of the covenant between you and me. So what is the responsibility of Abram amidst the covenant where God has said, I will, I will, I will? How would Abram continue to walk before God in a relationship of covenant relationship? God gives him an opportunity to respond in faith. To this relationship. And it's through this rite, this ritual of circumcision. It was a seal of obedience to those who followed the Lord. Circumcision became symbolic for the cutting off of the flesh. Meaning, listen, you try to live life in the flesh, you try to produce in the flesh, that didn't work. You try to have spiritual life in the flesh. 
Circumcision is the cutting off of the flesh to remind us that is not how you have life. It's a sign of obedience to saying, God, it's all you. It's not dependent on how I try to do it in my flesh. It's a cutting off of self-effort. And it symbolized purification of the heart. It symbolized dependence on the Lord. It was to be for Abram and his descendants a sign of, of who they were, set apart unto God, unlike the unworshipping nations. It was an act of obedience. It was a step of faith. But it was not a step of saving faith. So is the same with baptism, right? Baptism is a sign. It, it shows those, when we come here on Sundays and we baptize people, it's a sign that we are in relationship with the living God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so I show my relationship with Christ in obedience because He asked us to be baptized. And you should ask yourself, if you haven't been baptized, why not? Because He wants you to be as a sign of your beautiful relationship with Christ. Step of faith and saying, God, here I am. I want to walk with you and I will walk before you. God establishes this relationship. What happens here is we have sovereignty of God, meaning God all in control. And then we have the responsibility of man. And so we have to ask the question, well, what is our role in the midst of this relationship of covenant? That somehow God has said, I will, and then he says, you must. What he's not saying is this. He's not saying, listen, my will is dependent upon your actions. He doesn't say that. And he's not saying... Well, if you don't, then I won't. He's not saying that either. He's calling us into this beautiful relationship with Him. Let me, let me bring it into New Testament terms, and I'll try to do this as simply as I can, although it's a, it's a powerful theology. And it, to be honest, it just takes a lot of time to kind of let it sink into your brain. We are, as the Scriptures teach us in the New Covenant, we are justified... We are justified in Christ. We are made right before God because of our relationship with Christ. We are justified. That's God's work, isn't it? It's God's work. However, in the middle of justification, God doesn't do that work apart from regeneration, apart from a a new heart, a new life. We are transformed, right? We are made into new creation in Christ. A heart that is given to Christ is one that is renewed. That's what happened to you and I when we received Jesus. And what happens is, where we step into relationship and, and, and God's doing all the work, we step in and that regenerate heart, that renewed heart, the one that is justified, it... It's been changed, and it must. It, it will. It shall. 
respond to God. Does that make sense, I hope? We, we step into this beautiful relationship. It's all God's work in us, but because He's changed us, we, we, we must. We belong to Him. And so now we enter into the relationship. We have responsibility in the relationship to enter in. He still did all the work, and He's going to keep the covenant, but we, we have life with Him together. We're, we're bound together in Christ Jesus. That's why Jesus says, if you love me, if you have relationship with me, you, you must, you will obey my commands. You will obey my, my way, my truth, my life. You will. That is our relationship together. And so here's what happens. Abram hears this, and we're going to skip ahead to verse 23. Abram gets these, these promises of God, and, and, and God finally says in verse 9, Now, for, as for you, you must... And what does Abram do right away? He responds quickly. This is what we have to do in our spiritual journey. To keep walking, we need to respond and live out in faithful obedience. And I would encourage you, as the Spirit is ministering to you, to respond quickly. If God is calling you to go to a brother or sister and say, I am sorry... Do it. Why is it that we wait when our souls are torn up inside? Why is it that we do that, especially in our marriages? When God is ministering to you, do it. Because it's life-bearing. It brings joy back to your life, and it brings Him back to your life. He responds quickly. On that very day, verse 23 says... Abram had his whole household circumcised. And I, I think it's kind of funny because it says in the Scripture, it says, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. And, and, and then he grabs Ishmael, who's 13, and he's like, all right, you first, Ishmael. You're a man now. 13 is that age of being a man, so go be a man. It's kind of comical how we still live in the flesh. I'd be a little nervous about getting circumcised. Abram's 99. That can't be too good. Ishmael, you first. But here's the other thing that's kind of cool about this scene. It says the whole household. That means everybody in his camp, all the Egyptian slaves, everybody. Do you understand what this means? As he brought everybody in, as he finally stepped up to be patriarch, as he finally stepped up in faith to lead, he brought everybody in. A lot of Egyptian slaves in that camp. A lot of people who didn't know God in that camp. And I think as every one of the males was getting circumcised, he had this beautiful opportunity to say, you want to know why you're being circumcised? Because my God is a God of covenant. Because my God is a God that saves. Because my God is El Shaddai. And I want you to know, and this will be a sign for us, that our God is the one who is all-powerful and in control. There's no other God. And we will be set apart unto Him. This is why we are doing this. Oh, don't we look for those opportunities to share our faith with others. Let me tell you why I live this way. This is a sign of what's going on. Well, how does, how does Abram go from this place? Again, you've got to understand... 
he got to a, a place where he couldn't wait anymore, both Sarai and himself. They couldn't wait anymore. So it's like, we're going to produce our own offspring. Lack of faith. How did he get from there to immediate obedience and responding to God? And how do we do the same? How do we go when we're, we're faithless, which we are often, right? If only we had the faith of a mustard seed, tiniest little seed possible. When we're faithless, and then all of a sudden, we, we, how do we get to be like Abraham who lives in faith now? I think it goes back to verse 5. He changes his name. You've got to imagine, this has got to be somewhat comical in the camp. Remember I talked about last week, your tent city, okay? Everybody knows what's going on. Here Abram shows up in the tent city. First of all, everybody who came in to visit said, Hey, what's your name? I'm Abram. What does that mean? Father of many. How many children do you have? None. That already is a ridicule to his life. Now he's encountered God, and God changes his name from Abram, father of many, to, to Abraham, father of multitudes or of many nations. Now can you imagine showing up in the camp? I've got one son, and he shows up. Hey, guys, guess what? God has talked to me, and I'm going to change my name. Actually, he's changed my name. Really, what's it going to be, Abram? It's going to be father of multitudes. Everybody must have thought Abram was off his rocker, right? Absolutely. And that was good, because then they started to see it's going to be God and God alone who can make him father of nations. Because Abram couldn't do it. How does he start to live in faith? God changed his name. This is important. You may look at the text and you say, well, God just added an H. That's really nice. It's easier to pronounce, especially with the Sarai thing. I can just do Sarah. It's easier. He added an H. But in the Hebrew, that H is significant. It's breath. It's Roah, roah, breathing. In the Greek, and that word for breath means spirit, and in the Greek, it's pneuma. It's where we get the, the word pneumatic tools. It's full of air, breath. How does Abram go from living a life that is faithless to one that is full of faith and obedience? He fell on his face, and I think God, at that place, breathed spirit upon Abram. Just like he did with Adam in the garden, I breathe life into you. And that Abram became dependent on that spirit, and he responded in the strength of God breath. How do we keep walking this faith journey? Boy, it's not in our own strength, is it? The only way I think we can get up off the ground and keep walking this journey is by depending solely on the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus said, I have to take off. 
so that I can send the Spirit upon you. He will be your comforter, which means it's not a blanket. It's the one who gives you strength. Fortis. He will be your comforter. He will be your counselor. He's the one who's going to move in you. Depend on Him. This is how we do this faith journey. We go, Holy Spirit, fill me. Lord, help. I need you. I think I can do this, but I know the truth is I can't do it without you. Spiritually, anything that is to happen comes through you. And so he responds to the breath of life. It's new covenant. New covenant is I can't do anything. I am not competent in myself to accomplish anything spiritually. Right, Nikki? We can go to school and study at Fuller for all those years. But if the Spirit of God isn't working through us as we take His beautiful Word and then pass it on, I can't do anything. I can study, 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 but the Spirit's got to work through me. My competency alone, 2 Corinthians 3, comes from Christ. Do you know that of yourselves? This is what Abram is experiencing, I think, the breath of God and the Spirit. I rely alone on El Shaddai. And again, El Shaddai has that beautiful, powerful strength, all-fulfilling, all-sufficient. But the other thing I want you to see about who God says He is, is, is the, the root word of El Shaddai is Shad. And that, very clearly in the Hebrew, is a woman's breast, her bosom. Here's why I think that's important. I can only live life through the nourishment, through the feeding, through the place where I get my sustenance, and that is from the Lord alone. Shod. And it's also a place of rest, isn't it? Right there in the bosom of a mother. Doesn't God talk about himself that way? He's all-powerful. And then Jesus says, oh, I want to gather them like my chicks under my wing. That's our God. And that's the God Abram worshipped. A God who did not resign, but now a God who reigns. And a God who reigns in our life through the power of his spirit. I am the bread of life, Jesus says. How do we keep living and walking? We depend on the power of His Spirit as we desire to live for Him. We do not have because we do not ask. So ask the Lord for spiritual things in your life. Ask the Lord to use you and to nourish you and to strengthen you. And then God lives and fulfills His promises. And I'll wrap up with this. From verses 15 to 22, he gives the promises of the Son that will come. And we're going to see how Abram responds. He says, I'm going to give you a son, and it's going to be a son that will come through Sarai, who is now called Sarah. Sarah means a princess. Sarai was kind of an endearing term. It's like, you're my little princess. So God takes her from something that's a a nice endearing term to a place of position. You are the princess. Isn't that great? Sarai, who also struggled in her faith journey. And God, in His grace, puts her in a place of position, princess. 
I'm going to give you a son. Now, the truth is, what Romans teaches us in Romans chapter 4, look at it later, it says there, there was no possible way. Abram was totally too old to have children. Sarai absolutely could not bear children in her flesh. They, they couldn't. Everybody knew about it. They're, they're past childbearing years. Isn't this the way that God works? The God of the impossible? Do you understand here? This is huge. It's impossible for them to have children within their own means. It's impossible. But the God of the impossible steps in. I will produce offspring through you and Sarah. I will because I am El Shaddai. I will do this work in your life because I can. Everything that you thought was impossible, I will make possible because that's the character of God. The same God of Abram is our same God. I will, he says. Abram fell down and he laughed. You go, what's going on with Abram? Full of faith and obedience. Falls down here and he laughs. Is he going, God, you got to be joking. Come on, Lord, really? Is he laughing in disbelief? You know what, I don't think so. I don't think so. And here's why. Number one, he fell down again, the scriptures give us. What's that place? That's a place of worship, isn't it? That's a place of worship. The Hebrew text actually has this form of laughter as one of of just utter delight. I think as the Spirit breathed upon Abram, he was reminded of who God is, and his response is, Ha! Lord! Thank you. It's... It's the same laughter that some of you have had, women who have tried for so long to have a child, and it wasn't happening, and it wasn't happening, and it wasn't happening. And all of a sudden, one day, you conceived, and then you gave birth to a child. And you know what? You could do nothing but laugh in the joy of the Lord at his beautiful gift, realizing it's nothing but God that could do this. I will give you a son. His name shall be Isaac, which means laughter. And every time you look upon him and are with him, you will be reminded of the joy he is to you and you will be reminded of who I am because the only way he came into being is because of me, the God of the impossible. That's our God. You don't think God can change your broken marriage? You don't think God can touch your broken body? You don't think God can heal wounds of of past hurts? You don't think God can provide work when you think it seems impossible? That's not our God. And so we cry out, El Shaddai, you are Almighty God. And it will be known that all the glory goes to Him alone. Your seed will not come from Ishmael. Ishmael was done in your flesh. The offspring of Ishmael is a reminder that you tried to do it your way. 
I'm, I will bless him, but I'm not going to have the seed come through Ishmael. The seed comes through Isaac. The God of the impossible will bless you. And so rise up, Abram. Walk before me, blameless. This is the God that we serve today.